don't like to be motivated by what's happening in the world. Um, I don't like that to determine what I'm going to preach. I want to preach what the Lord's saying. However, I do feel right now I have a responsibility as a leader in the body of Christ to educate the body. Um, So as you would know, unless you live under a rock, there is a war in Israel right now. And some people, you will hear some Christians be like, we need to pray for Israel, we need to pray, we need to pray, we need to pray, wake up, wake up, wake up. On one end, and then on another end, we just have indifference, don't understand why we would need to pray for Israel, don't get it. I want to try and communicate uh, what the Lord has to say about that, if that's okay. Um, <clears throat> so I've called this message, The Heartbeat of God, Why We Should Care About Israel. Okay, now, is there anyone in the room that wants to be a friend of God? It's not a trick question. Great. That's, that's a good thing. All right. We want to be the friends of God. Amen? In the Word, the Lord talks about being a friend of God. Uh, there's three times I'm going to mention there were three, three people. Abraham was the first one. And in James 2, verse 23, it says, Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness, and he was called a friend of God. All Abraham did was believe what God told him. And all he did was believe, and God was like, here, his righteousness For those of you who don't know what righteousness is, it's right standing with God. It's God making you clean and right and and able to enter into his presence. Jesus hadn't even come, and the Lord gave Abraham righteousness because he believed. That's amazing. Whoa. We'll just put that a pin there, Abraham. Moses, Exodus 33, 11. Thus the Lord used to speak to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. Friends of God speak to God face to face. And it's a two-way street. It's a two-way conversation. It's not just me coming before the Lord and being like, I need this, I need this, I need this. It's taking time to listen to the Lord What are you thinking about? What's on your heart? How do you want to do things? What are you saying? Right? So that's how Moses interacted with with the Lord, face to face as a friend. Then Jesus came along and he said in John 15 verse 14, he said, you are my friends if you do what I command you. You are my friends if you do what I command you. So we can see that friends of God, three things. They believe God. They commune with God. They talk to him back and forth. They have a relationship with him and they obey him. 
But listen to this in John 15, if we keep reading. You are my friends, if, I do, if you do what I command you, no longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends, for all that I have heard from my father, I have made known to you. Friends of God, they believe God, they commune with God, they obey God, but man, they will pick up the heartbeat of God. And we have to be people that will hear the heartbeat of God. All right. What does he like? What does he love? What does God love? What does he hate? What's grieving his heart? What's he thinking about? Sometimes we get so focused on our little life that we forget that there's this big God story that's unraveling, and it has been since the beginning of the world. It doesn't mean that God doesn't care about your life and the, the intimate things going on for you, but you're part of a really big story. And it's time, it's good for us sometimes to take our eyes off all of the concerns and all of the things that are happening in our world and be like, God, what are you doing in the world? What's happening? What's your heart? What's your heart? What's your heart? He's like, my people need to catch my heart. If, man, if, oh, feeling the Lord, you won't catch his heart while you're stuck in your own issues. He's like, catch the beat of my heart, guys. There's more, there's more. All right. One of the things on the heart of the Lord is the nation of Israel. But why does he care so much? What's the big deal? Why are they different? Does he not care about the whole world? He does care about the whole world. But he cares about Israel, and I want to show you why. I feel like I know that there are some very new Christians here, and so I want to try and keep this as simple as possible. Um, if, if I lose you, come talk to me at the end and I'll explain more, okay? But we'll take you on a journey, take some notes, um, and Holy Spirit is going to help us, okay? So don't worry, if you get a bit lost, we're going we're gonna to answer your questions. All right, I have a video to help, praise the Lord, but... For those of you who might be new, or for those of you who might be old, some people have a quite simplistic understanding of the covenants in the Bible. If you're going to understand why God cares about Israel, you need to understand covenants. God is a God of covenant, and a covenant is an agreement that God makes with a group of people or with a person 
and it's a binding agreement. The closest thing that we have today is the covenant of marriage, which is meant to be binding until death do you part, right? Yes. All right. So, some Christians just, some people only think or think about that there might be two covenants in the Bible. There's the old covenant where we've got separation from God, um, the Lord's given the Ten Commandments, we have to kill animals and splash blood around to be able to come into the presence of God. A priest mediates on our behalf in the old covenant, right? And I can't know God for myself. He's holy, I'm full of sin, life's tough, okay? And then there's the new covenant, which Jesus came, fulfilled the old covenant, did what we couldn't do, and gives us access to the holy of holies, right? Some, some people are like, there's an old covenant, there's a new covenant, the new covenant cancels out the old covenant. Glory, glory, we're in the new covenant days. Hallelujah. There's more than two covenants in the Bible, all right? So we're going to watch a quick video. You should just be able to hit play and turn the sound up. Just start it again. Things in the Bible, like having God as a friend. Turn it right up. If you've been around Christians, you've probably heard of the idea of having a personal relationship with God, which could mean different things in the Bible, like having God as a friend, or your father, or maybe your teacher. But there's one particular way that the Bible talks about this relationship that you find all over. But strangely, we don't talk about it that much. And that's the idea of a partnership with God. A partnership like working alongside someone to accomplish a goal together. Right. And this is actually what you see at the beginning of the Bible. God creates this good world full of all of this potential. And then God appoints these unique creatures, humans, as his partners in bringing more and more goodness out of all that potential. But the humans don't want to partner with God. They rebel and try to create a world on their own terms. And so this broken partnership is the Bible's explanation for why we're stuck in a world of corruption and injustice and the tragedy of death. It's not like there's just one or two humans who have bailed on this relationship. In the story of the Bible, everyone has abandoned the partnership with God. So what God does is select a smaller group of people out of the many. And he makes a new partnership with them called a covenant. And in a covenant, God makes promises and then in exchange asks his partner to fulfill certain commitments. And the purpose of all of this is to somehow use this covenant relationship to renew his partnership with everybody else. Now, there are actually four times in the Old Testament that we're told God initiates a covenant relationship with Noah, Abraham, the nation of Israel, and King David. And it's through these that God is forming a covenant family into which all people will eventually be invited. So let's see how these work. The first one is with Noah. So in this story, God has just brought the flood to cleanse the world of humanity's corruption. And Noah and his family are the only ones left. And so God makes a covenant with Noah saying, listen, I know that humans will continue to be evil, but despite that, I'm not going to destroy it like this again. Instead, the earth will be this reliable place for us to work together. Great. So what does Noah have to do? Nothing. And that's what's so interesting about this first covenant is that God is promising to be faithful even though he knows humans won't be. The next time we see God make a covenant is with a man named Abraham. God chooses him 
promises to bless him, give him a large family, lots of land where they can flourish. And in return, God asks Abraham to trust him and train up his family to do what is right and just. And the whole reason for this covenant is God says that somehow he's going to bring his blessing to all families of the world through this one family. So that's Abraham. The next time we see God make a covenant is when Abraham's family grows into the tribe of Israel. And this covenant is with the whole tribe. God asks them to obey a set of laws, which are these guidelines for living well as a community of God's partners. And if they do this, then God promises to bless them and that they will become a people who then represent him to the rest of humanity. That's the covenant with Israel. The last covenant is with King David. Yeah, the tribe of Israel has become this large nation ruled by David. And God asked David and his descendants to partner with him by leading Israel in obeying the laws and doing what is right and just. And God promises that one day, one of David's sons will come and extend God's kingdom of peace and blessing over all the nations. So those are the four covenants that God makes in order to restore his partnership with the whole world. But here's what happens. Israel breaks the covenant. They worship other gods, they allow horrible injustice, and so they lose their land and are forced off into exile. So it seems hopeless. But during this time, Israel's prophets talked about a day when God would restore these covenants in spite of Israel's failure, somehow. Yeah, they called it the new covenant. And this is actually what's so interesting about Jesus is that he's introduced into this story as the one who fulfills all of these covenant relationships. We're told that he's from the family of Abraham, and so he will bring the blessings of that family to the whole world. We're told that he's the faithful Israelite who is able to truly obey the law. And we're told that he's the king from the line of David. And so he goes about extending God's kingdom of justice and peace to all. And that's really remarkable for one guy. Yeah, and what it highlights is perhaps the most surprising claim of all made about this man, that Jesus is no mere human, but rather God become human. And God did this in order to be that faithful covenant partner that we are all made to be, but have failed to be. And so through Jesus, God has opened up a way for anyone to be in a renewed partnership with him. So Jesus calls people to follow him and become part of this new covenant family. And despite their failures, Jesus is committed to making them into partners who are becoming more and more faithful. The story of the Bible ends with a vision of a fully renewed world, full of goodness and peace. And there's this renewed humanity there, partnering together with God to expand the goodness of his creation. And so the end of the Bible story is really a new beginning. Good. Thank you, Bible Project. That's helpful, isn't it? All right. So to ha- there's not only those covenants. There are other covenants as well. But the ones that I want to pull out today, there's the Noahic covenant, which is I'm not going to flood the earth again. Is that still in action? Yes. Hallelujah. It's still there. The new covenant did not wipe that out. Okay, it's still there. God's not going to flood the earth again, even if... The world is wicked and things are bad. God's not going to destroy because he's made a covenant with Noah. Isn't that amazing? Two, the Abrahamic covenant. All right. Genesis 12, 1 to 3. It says this. Now the Lord said to Abram, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you, and I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, 
so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse, and in all the families of the earth you shall be blessed. So the Lord made a covenant with Abraham, and he said, I'm going to give you land, I'm going to give you people, and I'm going to make you a blessing. The land was Israel. The people were the Jews. The blessing was that they would be the touchstone of God to all the people of the world, that, that all the people of the world would eventually know God, right? The new covenant did not wipe that out. It is still, it is still in play. The nation of Israel are still the people like God's chosen nation, right? We'll, we'll keep getting into this, but... Right, then we have the Mosaic Covenant, that was the law, okay, Jesus fulfilled that, so that one's done. The, but the, what does the Lord say? I'm going to write my laws on your hearts. We'll get into that. Number four, the Davidic Covenant. God said to David, I'm going to establish your throne for how long? Forever. Is that one still going? Yes. Because Jesus came from the line of David, right? So yes, still going. Number five, the new covenant, Jeremiah 31, 31 to 36. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my law within them and I will write it on their hearts and I will be their God and they shall be my people. And no longer shall each one teach his neighbor and each his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me, from the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity and I will remember their sin no more. This is significant. This was the prophet Jeremiah saying to Israel, This is the covenant that's coming. You're stuck in this way of living where you can't know God for yourself. And you're having to sacrifice animals to, to cover your sin. But there's a day coming where the Lord's going to write his laws on your heart. And he's going to make you right with God. But listen to this. I feel like we know that. We hear that taught. Keep reading. Thus says the Lord, who gives sun for light by day, and the fixed order of the moon and the stars for light by night, who stirs up the sea so that its waves roar. The Lord of hosts is his name. If this fixed order departs from me, from before me, declares the Lord, then shall the offspring of Israel cease from being a nation before me forever. So the Lord's saying, while ever there's sun, while ever there's a moon, while ever there's waves, Israel will be there. Why? Because he made a covenant with Abraham and he doesn't break his covenants. They're his people, all right? Now, if we flick through to Romans 11, it talks about, read Romans 11 at home in your own time and ask the Holy Spirit to speak to you. But Romans 11 talks about the rest of the world, the Gentiles being grafted in to what the Lord has promised to the Jews. That includes us. 
we've been grafted in to this to this very thing that the Lord said, I will write my laws on your hearts. You will know me. I will teach you. But listen to this. Romans 11.25. It says, Paul's writing, and he's saying, I do not want you to be unaware of this mystery, brothers. Paul's like, there's a mystery here. I'm going to help you out. A partial hardening has come upon Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in. And in this way, all Israel will be saved. So the Lord is, so Paul is like, Israel is blinded at the moment. Their their hearts are hard. What's the Lord doing at the moment? He's gathering the Gentiles. He's pulling in all the non-Jews. Right? That's why he gave the disciples the mission. Go make disciples of all the nations, all of them, not just the Jews. He's like, go, go, go. Why? Because the Lord doesn't want anyone to perish, but all to come to know him. So he's like, the hearts of Israel is hard right now because the Lord's like ushering in the Gentiles. Everyone's called by the Lord. Everyone, but not everyone responds to the call. Right? So what's happening? The Gentiles are coming in. Now read this. Romans 11, 13 to 15. I'm reading it from the Passion. Now, this is Paul still writing. He's like, now I speak to you who are not Jewish, since I am an apostle to reach the non-Jewish people. So you can imagine Paul's talking to us. We're not Jewish, so he's talking to us. And I draw attention to this ministry as much as I can when I am among the Jews, hoping to make them jealous of what God has given to those who are not Jews, winning some of my people to salvation. The Bible does talk about the Jews being jealous of what we have, the relationship and the intimacy that we have with the Lord. And that's partly one of the things that will cause them to want to come back to the Lord. They'll see, man, those people have something that I don't have. They know the Lord. I don't have that. And it'll cause them to want to come back to the Lord, right? Now watch this. For if their temporary rejection released the reconciling power of grace into the world, what will happen when Israel is reinstated and reconciled to God? It will unleash resurrection power throughout the whole earth. Oh, feel that. The plan of God. The plan of God, oh my goodness. So he made a covenant with Abraham and the nation of Israel. You will be my people. The whole world will, will, will come, will know that I am God because I'm your God and, and you belong to me. They walk away from God. And a lot of this Bible, I don't even have my Bible up here, 
a lot of the Bible, I can't wave it around at you, a lot of the Bible is all about God pursuing Israel, Israel rejecting him, God's pursuing them, Israel's rejecting them, God keeps pursuing Israel, right? The whole the whole Old Testament, Nellie, it's all about God pursuing Israel. And then God's like, okay, oh, can I just throw in a little comment here? God knows what it's like to be divorced. He's in covenant with this nation that refuses to love him. And he doesn't give up. He's like, you know what? You can stay hard. I'm, I'm going to open this beautiful relationship up to the rest of the world. And I'm going to reconcile them to me through my son. And then I'm going to call you back because you're my people. And I'm not going to, I'm going to keep my covenant with you. You don't deserve it, but I'm going to call you back. Oh, it will unleash resurrection power throughout the whole earth. The Gentiles will come in. The Israel, Israel will come in, right? One new man. And then the spirit and the bride will say, come, Lord Jesus. Oh. Oh. Do you feel that? <laughs> the spirit and the bride. It's not just about the, the fiery charismatics crying out to Jesus saying, come, Lord Jesus. No. It's not the fullness of time yet. He's not slow to delay his coming. He wants everyone to come in. And he wants his people, his beloved Israel in too. Oh, so why do we care about Israel? Number one, because God is in covenant with them. He loves them. If we love God, if we're friends of God, we learn to love what he loves and hate what he hates. We pray for them. They're part of the end time story of the Lord. Secondly, Scripture tells us to pray. Psalm 122, pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May, may they be secure who love you. Scripture tells us to. And you know, it can, it can seem like, why am I doing this? If it's hard, lean in and get his heart. Don't just pray out of obligation. You ask the Lord to reveal his heart to you. Because then you're led by the Spirit of God and you're praying in accordance with his heart. Right? Number three, Heidi Baker will say, Israel is the clock. Israel is the clock. There's lots of end time theology out there and I'm not going to go down that wormhole. I will just say this. We are called to be people who know the times and seasons. 
Jesus said, you won't know the day or the hour. But when you see the leaves, I'm forgetting the scripture, getting green, know that the harvest is coming. It's like we may not know the exact day, the exact time, but we can know the seasons. And what is happening with the nation of Israel is a big indicator to what season of the Lord we're in, right? There's a lot that has to go down in that nation before Jesus will return. I think we have in our mind that Jesus is going to rock up and whisk us all off or whatever. Zechariah 14 actually talks about Jesus coming to a physical place, not Darwin, not New York, Jerusalem, ruling and reigning from Jerusalem, right? What would that look like? I don't know. I hope I can just translocate, just be like, I'm just going to pop in and see Jesus because I'll be ruling and reigning wherever he's put me, right? There's a thousand years of peace on the earth with Jesus ruling and reigning. Come on. I'll just leave that one there now. The fourth reason that we will that that we need to care about Israel because we're friends of God. We're not called to be God's servants. We're called to be his friends. He shares his secrets with his friends. He shares his heart with his friends. I don't know about you, but I want to be a friend of God. I want to learn to lean in, even when I don't understand, to this great big story that he has going on, that in his kindness and his love, he's put me as part of it, and he's put you as part of it. And we've got our part to play. I'll I'll end with this. Matthew 24. Matthew 24 talks about uh, the signs of the end of the age, blah, blah, blah. And there's lots of different interpretations, right? People get in arguments about what that's really about. I'm not going to go into that. What I do want to share is just this, these couple of verses. It says, Who then is the faithful and wise servant whom his master has set over his household? to give them their food at the proper time. Blessed is that servant whom his master will find so doing when he comes. When Jesus comes back, he's not going to care about the theology debates that you got in in your high lofty opinions. He's going to be saying, are you doing what I asked you to do? He's looking for believers who will be doing what he asked us to do. What did he ask us to do? Go and make disciples. Make disciples. So it doesn't mean you're like, oh, my gosh, I need to quit my job and I can't. No. Be salt and light where the Lord has put you. Be Jesus where the Lord has put you. He will bring people to you who need Jesus, and you give them Jesus. Whether you're a teacher, 
whether you're a mom or a dad, a battery, battery business owner and runner, right? Whether you're retired, whether you're like whatever it is that you're doing, salt and light. Walking with the Lord. It's not a very good sound. This one's much better, isn't it? Walking in tune with his heart. That's what he's looking for when he returns. You don't have to worry about anything else. Just do what he said for you to do. Praise the Lord. And when you get sucked into the wormhole of, oh my gosh, is this the end times? Oh my gosh, all of the stuff that goes on. Turn off your social media. Stop listening to that stuff. Read your Bible. Talk to the Lord. Be in community so you don't get weird. Right? That is great advice. Come on. Preach it, Naomi. Come on. (laughs) I've got to land the plane now. Hallelujah. Man, be a faithful wise servant. Jesus, Jesus help us. <sighs> help us, God. God, we want to be people who hear your heartbeat, who lean into your heart to care about the things that you care about to love what you love, to hate what you hate. We want to try and learn to understand you, God. Your ways are beyond our comprehension. Your ways are not our ways. Your thoughts are not our thoughts. This big story that is, that's been unfolding before us, Father, we don't, we don't understand it all, but we're part of it. Help us to see I pray that you'd give us eyes to see and ears to hear what the Spirit is saying. I pray, God, that as we read your word, you would give us revelation, that you would show us what it means. And we pray for your people, Israel, Father. We pray, God, that you would strengthen them right now. We pray that you'd help them. We pray that you'd turn their hearts towards you, Father. We pray that they'd cry out to you, Father, and that you would answer them. We pray for your grace and mercy over that nation, Father. We ask for peace. We ask for the leaders making decisions, Father, In all of this stuff with the war, Father, we pray for divine inspiration from them, intel from heaven, guide their decisions, Father. Holy Spirit, help us, help us, help us as people, as a community. to be aware, to be praying, Father, to lean into your heart. Mm, In Jesus' name.